Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us once again today. Always a pleasure to have you with me. And, uh, you know, I have some great guests that come on and talk about a wide variety of topics. You can find it all at ExitCoachRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just look for Exit Coach Radio. My first guest today is Jim Mosquera from Sentinel Consulting. And uh, Jim's uh, firm, Sentinel Consulting, is an alternative business and consumer finance firm that also assists firms with debt restructuring. And today we're going to be talking about financing alternatives for small and mid-sized businesses. So, uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Bill. I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure, Jim. Uh, I've been uh, looking into your, your, what you do, and it's, it's always of interest to our listeners who are you know, small and mid-sized, closely held business owners. They're always wondering, you know, do I have the right mix or do I need, you know, where do I go for my financing? And uh, that's the business that you're in. But uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you got started uh, and, how, and what Sentinel Consulting does. Well, one thing that's a little unusual about me is I'm not originally from the United States. Uh, my country of birth was actually Panama, and that would mean that my first language was actually Spanish. So Spanish was my first language before English. Uh, academically, uh, I've mentioned this because it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. I actually have uh, two degrees in industrial engineering, and my master's thesis dealt with something called operations research, which was a fancy way of you know using applied math to solve business problems. Uh, my professional background was primarily cut in uh, telecom and technology. I had a variety of responsibilities there, including sales of product development. I actually had a chance to develop a, a patent, be awarded patent when I was there, did some training and technical consultation. While I was in my professional career in the tech industry, I actually started trading commodity futures for my own account, uh, developed some software to help me trade. Went even as far as to acquire what's called a Series 3 certification to become a, what's called a commodity trading advisor. Uh, these would be people that might advise hedge funds. And then slowly over time, I started developing more knowledge on my own of the financial markets and the economy. Uh, it led me to have an online column with uh, uh, an organization called examiner.com. And then that developed into a newsletter where I could get a little bit more in depth on you know financial and economic topics. Then it led to a, a book series that I produce, uh, nonfiction dealing with the financial markets, you know, economics, investing. And then my most recent book really kind of talks about how those things affect society and our politics as well. 
Um, then from that, I developed a fictional series that deals with, you know, it's a political thriller, has cyber terror, it's financial crisis, of course. And it's kind of a neat story that has a, a, the main character is a journalist, and then he gets uh, ushered along, shepherded along by some of his mentors. Uh, and it, it primarily, the book series deals with the kind of the nation's struggle with statism and, and liberty. But what I noticed uh, in, in that dis- progression of, of my career uh, around the time of the financial crisis, which is around the time that I started writing that column that I mentioned, uh, I understood that the banking industry was going to change and uh, funding for small business was going to change as well. And so the financial crisis of 2008 uh, ushered in a period of changes in lending standards and perhaps even more importantly, regulation. Uh, that really changed the outlook of the the commercial banking industry, not so much because they weren't going to lend, because if you were what we consider be an ache type credit, your lending probably didn't change very much at all. In fact, you ended up with some really, really nice rates as as uh, short and long-term interest rates fell. But it was that it's that other swath of, uh, let's say, entrepreneurs and companies that maybe were just a few years old that then we're probably going to be a little bit more challenged. And so those firms were going to need advice on, on not just the funding, but, you know, the sources of fundings themselves. Uh, when I first got started in the business, which I started this company, Sentinel Consulting, in 2014, uh, I really focused a lot of the practice on helping firms deal with debt challenges uh, via restructuring and mediation services. Uh, I'm located in the St. Louis, Missouri metropolitan area. And I found many, many companies that were in civil litigation due to debt problems. And there's different approaches on how to handle that. And some of them, honestly, I shouldn't say some of them, most of them weren't really handling them in the, in the right way. Uh, what, I dis- what I tried to do with the practice was to provide, let's say, a very skinny Chapter 11-like restructuring process. It's not Chapter 11 because we're not going through, you know, a, a court-appointed, uh, uh, you know, financing mediation and things of that nature. And, and the reality is that companies that are under 50 million dollars uh, are not going to go through a Chapter 11 process because of the complexity and cost. So what we try to do is provide some of that same discipline uh, without the rigors of Chapter 11. Uh, so the the firm Sentinel Consulting really deals with. Uh, alternative financing that would potentially replace or maybe be complementary to commercial banking. Uh, Secondly, restructuring services when companies find themselves in debt. And then something that's a little bit newer for the firm, which is consumer financing. So financing for uh, those businesses, customers who sometimes those customers don't have that immediate cash uh, on hand to buy the goods and services as has been related by recent um, surveys by both the Federal Reserve and AAA, actually, and then other customers that would frankly appreciate having a finance plan available, f- uh, you know, for the goods and services that they purchase. Yeah, yeah, it's a great background and um, very interesting um, niche that you that you carved out there. And I know, you know, around that uh, the time when the the economic crisis was happening back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and the years following that. A lot of small and mid-sized businesses owners found found themselves with kind of the the, the banks that were turning their back on them because things tightened up so much. Uh, and now, you know, we're ten years past all that. What's the environment today for this? Is it still uh, difficult? And do people still need to look into a lot of alternatives? And if so, what what alternatives should they look at for their financing these days in small and mid-sized businesses? Well, as you would imagine, and you just said, you know, we're, we're 10 years, maybe even 11 years from the from the bottom of the, the financial crisis. And 
things obviously have, have gotten markedly better uh, in, in the economy uh, from a lending perspective as well. But there are some things that small business owners need to be aware of, though, if they're going to approach finan- uh, a commercial bank. You know, and one of the things is the age of their business. If your business typically isn't maybe a couple or three years old, uh, that's something that is going to be a flag, if you will, for uh, for the commercial banking industry. Uh, litigation, you know, have you been the subject of litigation, either you're as a plaintiff or as a defendant? That's something that, you know, can create some issues. You know, what's your profitability been? So there's a number of things that are there. But, you know, one of the things that, that I do is, um, in terms of an industry update, is I track the economy very, very closely, as well as the financial market. It's in fact, I write a column for an online financial journal that's primarily used by investors. But the things that I write about are, you know, the, the macro economy as a whole. And there are many signs right now of a softening economy combined with very, very over leveraged business enterprises. Though when I say that, those are typically larger firms that I don't deal with um, that have been able to borrow not through lending vehicles like my own, but maybe they're able to go into the credit markets and with bond issues and so forth. Um, and such that there's been a deteriorating credit quality. And if, if some of your listeners uh, are familiar with uh, with ratings of, of debt, you know, triple B rated debt is the, the tier that is, let's say, just uh, the, the lowest tier from an investment grade standpoint. And anything below that is considered junk debt. And really, right now, that triple B rated uh, credit market is larger, you know, than it's ever been. And that pristine debt, that's that debt that's rated triple A, has shrunk significantly uh, again since uh, the start of the the last financial crisis, 2008. And so one of the things that does is it creates a much more precarious environment as interest rates start to change. And I, I published something in an article recently that showed how many firms that again that are that in that triple B triple B reading rating I should say uh, are having to just continually raise money in order to, to finance their old debts. Well, they're not profitable and they're still able to raise money to do that. Um, you know, the only institution that I know that can continue to, to refund old uh, refinance old debts in that fashion is the United States government. Well, these companies aren't the United States government. So one right. of the things it does yeah. is creates, you know, it creates much more credit stress. And one of the, we'll, we'll see, we are seeing actually some of the effects of that. And some of the things I talk about in my books where, you know, you've got an increasing, you know, caustic political environment, you know, you're going to have a deteriorating social mood, that's going to usher in, you know, some economic challenges and, and business need to understand that because you're going to be going into a much tougher credit environment in the near future. Yeah, it seems like, uh, and again, uh, we're seeing as we speak, you know, interest rates coming down, and the Fed saying they're going to be buying back, uh, buying back treasuries and debts, and keeping interest rates low and avoiding interest rate increases. Do you think that's because of the the fragility of the economy, or it's just it's just not jump starting, or what's your take on that? I'm so glad you mentioned that. And and one of the things that I write about uh, either in, in column writing or writing my books is that there's there's this notion that the Fed tends to be ahead of the market. And the reality is, and I could show people charts that show that the Fed actually reacts to what the markets are doing. And the Fed controls one interest rate. And what what they did that was a little bit different during the financial crisis is they tried to control that interest rate, but they went into the market and actively bought a bunch of stuff. And that stuff, you know, was mortgage debt, treasury debt, and so forth. And you have central banks across the world that are doing more than that, even. They're actually being active participants in stock markets, as an example. Uh, you know, you've got foreign, foreign central banks that buy U.S. stocks. 
Uh, I would I would caution your listeners in the thinking that, you know, just because the Fed says they're going to do these things, that that they've got complete control of the financial markets. And that's really somewhat of a, a myth that I that I do explore in, in some detail in my in my nonfiction books. The market really does uh, has control. And the uh, the credit markets are the among the credit markets and the currency markets are among the largest markets in the world. Uh, and I would just tell you that uh, because of the amount of debt that the United States has right now, from a public perspective, I mentioned earlier how much uh, how fragile, if you will, this triple B rated credit is. When you get a few of those failures that occur, uh, you're you're going to see uh, upward pressure on interest rates. And I'm not predicting, I'm not telling you that I know exactly what the what the interest rate's going to be in the near future, but I would say that there's much more pressure uh, for interest rates going up than there is for going down, absent some significant measure that the, that the Federal Reserve would have to take, which again, I'm not saying that they couldn't do it, but it would be something far more extraordinary than what they've done before. Yeah, it certainly feels to me, and I'm no expert, but it certainly feels to me like the the Feds it used to be, like you said, they they would create or drive the market, and it seems like they just are, are, are you know trying things out to see what happens. <laughs> see, you know, let's let's see if the pump is primed for the economy, and then the in the stock market falls, and they say, well, it's not doesn't feel like it's weakened or, or strong enough yet. So, uh, it seems very reactionary, well, and, and, and that's that's scary. Yeah, and you just used the word. I mean, I want to highlight a word that you just used, and I'm glad you used that word. You said they're trying to do this and that. And and really, a lot of what you've seen since 2008 with their massive intervention in the credit markets, it has been really a grand experiment. And and unfortunately, as I mentioned in the intro, that you've seen this, you know, you, you've seen the, the political environment change in the United States, and you're going to see it change more because w- one of the things that, you know, Main Street has, has seen is, well, wait a second, Fed, you guys went and did this, 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 and this. Wow, everything looks great on Wall Street, but how has it helped me, right? And and that's why I talk about those things in some detail in my book, so people really understand what's going on. And and that's why the books are called Escaping Oz, and then they have a different subtitle because you know we've been dealing with this this wizard fallacy that they're in control when you know they're really they're not necessarily in control. Yeah, and the you know one question of a lot of our listeners that are baby boomers are are asking is okay, well. This is, you know, this has been great from a business standpoint, from a borrowing standpoint. But as a consumer, you know, when am I going to be able to see a, a decent, safe rate on my money, in, you know, in the investment world? And it looks like we're, uh, you know, uh, you know, I thought we were heading back towards that, um, but it, it seems like it's we're going to have more uh, retraction and, and low interest rates, and that's not good for the person who's uh, looking for their investment income. That's that's right. And, and and that's one thing that the Fed has done is, you know, the Fed and other central banks, because of their intervention policies, they have absolutely destroyed and decimated uh, what it is to get, as you just mentioned, a safe rate of return for savers. Uh, they have really, really uh, put the screws to pension funds, both, you know, especially yeah. the private pension funds and some of the public pension funds as well, that are used to making assumptions about earning 8%. Well, they weren't doing that, and then they had to go into riskier ventures. Which, you know, when that, you know, when there's fractures in those markets, that's going to be a calam- you know, calamitous event for a lot of these pension funds. Yeah, that's that's a scary notion uh, that so many investors and and I'll put it, you know, listeners, I'll put it in simple terms. You know, when you get your 401k statement, you look down towards the bottom where the bond and money market rates are, and you go, well, like, I'm not 
I can't make any money there. So people start crawling further and further up into the outer branches of risk and getting into riskier and riskier ventures to try to get some yield. And of course, uh, we all know what happens when that reverses. It's it's a very uh, dangerous position to be. And the and the question is, well, you know, how how bad is how bad does that uh, and how far does that fall when it falls? It's very very scary. So what what advice would you give a business owner who's who's looking at their their situation and wondering whether they should be uh, restructuring their debt these days. Well, you know, for, for businesses that, that are seeking credit, if I just say, you know, three tips, ideas, or precautions, uh, the number one thing that I tell a business is make sure that you have a business plan. And l- let's qualify a little bit. There's many lenders that, that, I, that I work with that they don't necessarily care whether you have a business plan or not. Now, if you want to borrow a lot of money, the more money you want to borrow, the more likely it is that you need to either have a business plan or at least be able to articulate your business plan. And even if you don't have a business plan that you necessarily think about from a, from a lending and credit perspective, it's a great management document, right? I mean, it's a blueprint for how you, you're going to run your business because maybe you laid it all out at some point in time. And then once you start working you know, in your business as opposed to on your business, then you kind of forgot some of the things that you did. Um, something that could be part of a business plan or it could be a separate document is a budget. Uh, I tell businesses, particularly in early stage uh, part of their life cycle, if you don't have a budget, then how do you know uh, whether you are at, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a gauge, if you will, a dashboard. How do you know if you're where you're supposed to be? And, it's another great management tool. I mean, I, I worked for large companies and, you know, we always had a budget and, and you manage to that budget. Uh, small businesses, mid-sized businesses sometimes, you know, tend to get a, tend to get away from that. And, and as I mentioned, it's, it, 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 the budget could be part of that business plan that you need to present to a lender or just simply could be a management document. Um, for, again, early stage companies, uh, build that credit. Uh, either build that credit with, with your vendors, vendor credit, uh, on credit cards, you know, we have a specific program that we use with early stage companies where we build a credit line for them through an aggregation of credit cards and to make sure that either your vendor or those credit card companies are reporting to the credit agencies because if they're not doing that, you may be a great credit risk, but if nobody knows about it, then it's like it doesn't occur. And the other thing I want to, final thing I want to mention about the budget is I, I remember meeting with a couple of companies here in the last couple of years. And I I said, do you have a budget? They said, no. And I said, you know, one of the things that I think is important for small businesses to know is to go back to an old Kenny Rogers song is to know when to hold up and know when to fold up. I see businesses sometimes that probably shouldn't be in existence anymore, but because they didn't really have a business plan, because they didn't have a budget, they thought, oh, okay, we're just, we're just going to go another month and, and, you know, maybe we'll do better, you know, and even though they're very far off their financial targets. And then what happens? Well, then they may start doing things that are a little bit irregular, like taking out a personal credit card to fund the business or, you know, dipping into an old 401k or an IRA or, you know, uh, one very common that I see is, you know, taking out a second mortgage on a house. So it's important to know that, uh, and to have that kind of plan ahead of time. So, you know, it's very possible that your business will not be successful. And I, that's just something that's important to understand. And I, I, I reference that in some of my nonfiction tests and some texts when talking about my investment laws. You got to know when to take a profit and you also know, need to know when to take a loss. Jim, what's the, what's the most common question that uh, someone might call you and ask you about? 
Well, the first thing they'll say is, you know, can I, I need to borrow money? Can I get a loan? And and that's a very very generic question uh, that is difficult to answer without some consultation. Again, like, well, how long have you been in business? Uh, you know, what's your personal credit score? Is your business profitable? Um, do you have a bankruptcy in your in your recent past? Uh, any liens against you or your business? Um, you know, there's kind of a whole uh, constellation of questions that you you kind of need to go through. And and I do think that even necessarily if it's not a question, there's always the presumption, I think, on the part of many uh, small business owners to, to think that they can automatically borrow money, which that may or may not be the case. And I, I take sometimes in presentations, I take people through this exercise to say, hey, have you ever loaned money to somebody just for you know personal reasons and so forth? And they will tell me what that experience was like. And you'll get a lot of you know interesting comments that come from that. And I say, well, imagine that you're in the business of doing that. Now you see some of the challenges that you face. Great insights. Uh, really, really great speaking with you. Um, our, our time's up for today, but if someone were to want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? My uh, business site is uh, Sentinel Consulting, and that's .biz. So it's S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L consulting.biz. Uh, my author site, for those that are interested in reading some of that, is actually my last name .com, my first and last name .com, so that's Jim, J-I-M, M-O-S-Q-U-E-R-A dot com. You know, it, uh, it, very interesting talking with you, and I hope that we can talk again because I think you, you really have your finger on the pulse of what's going on, and uh, this is a good time for our listeners to be hearing that on a regular basis, Jim. So I hope you'll come back and visit with us again sometime soon. Yeah, great to be on with you. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 